the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's special edition of the Spot Track Podcast is brought to you, as always, by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, who believe in empowering professional athletes and entertainers with the knowledge they need to make informed decisions about finances and wealth. Learn more to go to morganstanley.com slash GSE, Morgan Stanley Smith Barney LLC, member SIPC. Thanks for joining us for another edition of the Spot Track Podcast. My name is Mike Giannetti. Joined in a little bit by Cousin Dan. We've had him on before. Uh, generally, it's daily fantasy, betting, gambling. That's where we hit the, hit the home runs with Dan. But uh, we're going to stick to with the MLB season wrapped up now. It's on to the offseason. Many teams are already there. Look, at it, it's a pretty good list of free agents. There's a lot of money to be to be made here, a lot of money to be had. It's been a bad two years of free agency for Major League Baseball in terms of uh, players getting to the teams they want to in a timely manner, players getting the compensation, you know, either, you know, statistically they deserve or what they feel they deserve internally. Certainly you've had your outliers in the Harpers and the Machados, but this is a pitcher heavy list, as we've said before on this show, and that generally drives a good market. Pitchers are easier to to be paid for. It's just how it works. It's always been the nature of, of the animal, especially starting pitchers. When there are starting pitchers available, we'll see how this sort of plays out. But there are teams ready to buy. I can tell you that right now. We're gonna we're gonna talk buyers and sellers. We'll get into you know some of the big names in free agency, what, what they might be worth, where they might be going, um, and certainly some fantasy impacts based on you know players changing teams, changing conferences, all that good stuff. All right, cousin Dan, thanks for joining the show. I know it's not baseball season. Certainly, we just uh, you know capped off a heck of a World Series here, but we're we're into the off season, and you know when it's spot track, where there's really never an off season. So we're uh, we're, we're flipping forward to 2020 in baseball. There's plenty to talk about. I think plenty of money to be thrown around. We're going to get there, but uh, you know the names are good. We've had some offline conversations here already. This list can get pretty good pretty quickly here if some club options are, are declined and some player opt-outs happen. First of all, thanks for joining the show, Dan. Yeah, it's good to be here uh, talking talking baseball a day after uh, the World Series. So. Yeah, Generally, when I have you on to talk money, it's to uh, feed your gambling addiction and, and educate us on, on that side of the spectrum. But we're going to talk player money a little bit. I'm sure we're going to dive into how some of this is going to impact your uh your 2020 DFS strategy and whatnot, but uh, we'll get there. I'm sure it's, you know, those tangents are bound to happen, but um, I guess let's just dive right into it that, you know, look at, we had a big year, a uh, lot of home runs. I'm sure you, uh, that impacted the way you played your daily fantasy stuff and, and put in a couple of wagers. You know, I know you were big on the twins to start the year. So <laughs> you clearly saw that coming down the line and uh, you know, historic numbers in terms of home runs and production from that side of the ball. Is that is that here to stay? Is that something we should be considering? Is that something teams are going to be considering now in the offseason as they look to build for 2020 and forward? Is that I mean, is it a home run league? Is it a starting pitcher slash home run league? Once again, it feels like the late 90s all over again, right? Yeah, I think I certainly think you have to operate going forward like it's going to be the same as it was this year in terms of the ball and the power numbers. Um, I, I certainly wouldn't want to assume it's going to regress. Um, you know, if, if there is something funny going on with the baseball, I mean, the, the major league, major league baseball might've, might've thought that was successful during the regular season. So I, th- I think going forward, you definitely have to operate like the power numbers are going to be up across the board in terms of, uh, hitting and pay, um, on both sides of the ball. So, yeah, I, I mean, from a free agent standpoint, there's a lot to talk about from the pitching side of it, right? There's, there's some bats and there's some home runs available, 
but you can understand that, you know, the guys who hit the home runs generally aren't going to be let to walk free right now. We'll see what happens. I know Josh Donaldson and the Braves have been talking. He might not get to free agency. I mean, it's very possible he gets a deal done quicker here. Um, I mean, he's to his 37 home runs actually leads the available players right now. So he's the top dog in terms of home runs available. Um, he's older. He's 34. But look, at he's uh, I mean, you're a Cleveland guy. You saw him come through your uh, your tribe team. He's a five-tool player when he's healthy. It's just a matter of staying healthy. So I'm not sure he sticks on this list. Down the line, look, at there's there's six guys on this free agent list right now that had 30 home runs or more this year. And, uh, you know, we've said it on this show a couple of times. I think there were 65 players in Major League Baseball with 30-plus homers. So historic stuff. Uh, to me, though, and I, and I want your thoughts on this too, to me that should drive the price down for a batter. If that's... If that's the way teams want to win the regular season is to hit the ball out of the park three times a game, and you can understand that, um, and there's that many guys doing it, right? If you've got 60 guys who can hit 30 and maybe, you know, 40 who can hit 35, which is a heck of a number, um, then that price should come down. The demand should be less, right? Because there's more supply. So I, we've seen it before in the last two years. The, the, you know, the position player numbers have come down if, if, as long as your name isn't Machado or Harper. Um, but it, that just seems to fit the bill, right? I mean, th- these guys, these middling guys, like for instance, a Jose Abreu at 33 years old, you know, who can barely play first base anymore. He's essentially a DH for an American League team. He hit 30 home, 33 and 123 this year. But you know, is he even getting 20 million dollars? <laughs> yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a great point. Um, I mean, 25 to 30 home runs and 90 to 100 RBIs isn't isn't what it looked like no. a few years ago. Right. So, so I, I totally agree with you in terms of power numbers, strictly power numbers. I think, um, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta kind of decrease the value a little bit, which, which sort of we've seen in the last few years, starting with like the first, that first baseman DH market that, um, has sort of ran dry with these, these low average, um, low contact, but big power type hitters that, um, you know, there's not a lot of demand until typically later in the off season when, um, rosters start to get figured out a little bit near, near, uh, sprint training. <clears throat> right, right. And hopefully, and this is what I really ho- do hope changes. Hopefully we're not talking about major free agents still available February 20th. All right. I, I hope that's done. What, whatever that was for two years. And, and obviously that was, you know, front offices trying to get as much leverage as possible to drive these numbers down as spring training approached and started essentially. Um, to me, that's got to stop. I think everybody sort of understands where the numbers are now. You know, you're not going to have your Albert Pujols contracts happen anymore. They're just not going to happen, right? I mean, if you're if you're right. 30, and, and look at most of these guys on this free agent list are 30 or plus. I mean, you've, it's very rare. That's why Garrett Cole's numbers are going to be bonkers because he's not 30 yet, you know? if it's, it's very NFL-ish in that, you know, the second that, that, that two turns to a three, you're damaged goods and your number will, you know, your price will come down accordingly. So... I think we, we all understand that, you know, the analysts, front offices and players and agents, you know, agents don't like it. Players don't like it, but it's just the reality of where the league is right now. And oh, by the way, you know, you've got guys coming into the league year one, year two, putting up more production than, than your 30 year olds, right? Your Pete Alonzo's, your Acuna juniors, your, your Juan Soto's, they're really cramping the style of these veterans who are trying to get their first free agent contract. So there's a lot of moving parts and all of it really means less money for everybody. Um, you know, we can we can save the the Juan Soto Ronald Acuna conversation for another show, uh, just because I think there's going to be a big upswing of those contracts happening. How how can they not? 
right? How can the Nationals not sit down with Juan Soto right now and try to lock him in for eight years um, at a at essentially a discounted price? You know, you, you can't let him go six years on this pace and then hope to sign him back because if that happens, once he gets here, right? If he's if Anthony Rendon is actually Juan Soto right now, you're talking Bryce Harper numbers, right? I mean, you're talking three hundred thirty million dollars, correct? Probably, yeah, that's that range up. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's a small sample size on Soto, but that you, you know what I'm getting at. You can't let the judges and yeah. the Sotos and the Pete Alonzos go too far without locking them in because you know, the numbers then have to drive up. That's when the front offices lose their leverage. So my, my guess is they're done with those days. Those, uh, you know, those, the, the mishap, you know, careless spending, reckless spending is, seems to be over. Um, we'll see. I mean, well, I guess let's get to Garrett Cole, right? <laughs> There's no better place to start than yeah, Garrett, Garrett Cole, you know? Real quick, real quick on your point, I, yeah. I, just so we don't, we don't breeze by it. I, I think that's a super interesting conversation, probably from your perspective too, that if power numbers are up everywhere and, you know, things like average is discounted and, you know, steals are, you know, teams aren't running as much. What, what going forward are we going to use to evaluate players? And like, in terms of your spot track player projections, you know, it's going to be interesting going forward to see how the market corrects itself and, and adjust accordingly when, you know, you're essentially only going to want to reward players with elite tools, such as your Alonzo's, your judges who have an elite yeah. power ceiling or something like that. You know, so a player who can hit 330, but, you know, even, you know, 280 or 290 type hitters who can steal 30 bases aren't as valuable anymore sure. when really it just turned into a power league. So, um, you know, that, that's probably a bigger conversation for a different time, but it's an interesting thing to think about in terms of, you know, trying to assess and give out money going forward to some of these guys. So. Uh, the, the, the easy answer I can give you, because obviously I'm still trying to evaluate these players right now. And, and you're right. I, I, I have to weigh batting average way less. I have to weigh total hits way less, you know, because in, in the grand scheme of it, the analytics just don't care. They just flat out don't care. Um, Right. And it will, will analytics take over? Will, you know, will oh, it already percentage has. Yeah. and WOBA and XFIP and these kind of things start to take over for, you know, these different players. The, you know? the, Dan, the easy answer right now is if you've got to be stuck on one stat that's simple and you don't have to really understand too much about what it is, it's the OPS plus, right? I mean, that's the slugging, right. the ability to get on base with power, with slugging, and it takes in the factors of, you know, your matchup, what ballpark you're at, all those sort of things. To me, that is the... The, the easiest, simplest, I'm sure there's plenty of, you know, bigger nerds than me out there, you know, hemming, you know, chopping at the bit to get at me with this one. But to me, that's the ones that you can at least look at to identify where a player stands in this baseball game, right? Because you're right. Nobody cares if it's a single or a double. They, they want to know if, it, it, you know, are you driving in runs? Are you scoring runs? Scoring runs still matters. Maybe more than ever, scoring runs matters because obviously that includes the home run. But if you're on base and getting yourself in a scoring position, you're just as valuable as anything. So it's a very hard conversation, right? It's a good conversation to have, especially this time of year when we are evaluating players. And it has changed monumentally in the past 18 months. I mean, we, you know, yeah, and, we'd have and conversations the, over beers about batting average and nothing else, you know, two years ago, but, you know, guys like Daniel yeah. Murphy, you know what I mean? So it's just, it's come full and circle. The, and, it, I, and you know, the teams are having the same conversations right now. Absolutely. And I know in fantasy circles, it's the same as, you know, people, this is when people start coming up with their projections for players and they don't know how to adjust if the, you know, the 
quote unquote juiced ball will be back next year or if pitching will, you know, kind of dominate again, like it has previously, but uh, it certainly seems like the power's here to stay. So, you know, going forward, it's going to be interesting to see if, you know, analytics start to take over in your projections there as well, instead of just, you know, you know, player X scored, 105 runs this year which equates to this dollar amount so nine minutes by the way it took you nine minutes to get a fantasy reference and i knew you'd get there i knew it was, <laughs> i knew it wouldn't take long i knew the tangents were coming uh good stuff though yeah, all right back. let's let's start to go with just a few of these players because obviously you know there, there'll be articles written with you know the the fluctuation of these guys valuations and destinations and all that stuff i mean the rumor mills the hot stove is about to heat up i mean it's coming right it's probably coming right now as we yeah. speak but um, look, there's a couple of names at the top of the list that I, I feel pretty comfortable about where they might land and, and what they might be worth. But, uh, you know, it's nothing set in stone with the current the current game, you know, and how we've laid it out here. Let's start with Cole. I mean, coming off just a ridiculously unbelievable season. I mean, it's the it's essentially the Joe Flacco season, right? And if we're bringing an NFL reference into it, it's it's a guy who you knew was solid for a lot of years. And, and he was certainly thwarted in Pittsburgh where everybody goes to die. And, you know, he got out of there and, and just came to the perfect situation. And, you know, a year and a half later, uh, this is a guy who just wasn't touched in, from May to September. He just wasn't touched and, you know, held his own in the postseason. He was an absolute, you know, he, he was warrior God status with Max Scherzer all postseason and Steven Strasburg all postseason. Uh, to me, the sky's the limit. I mean, the numbers are all out there. I mean, Zach Grinke's 35 million a year. You know, Kershaw's 33, 32 a year. Uh, Garrett Cole shouldn't be just approaching Zach Grinke money. Garrett Cole should be approaching $40 million a year. He, he and Patrick Mahomes should sign $40 million a year contracts this coming offseason. Yeah, I, I, I'd agree with that. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know if it'll be the dollar amount with Cole. I think, you know, it'll be more the term, what, what teams want to go term, but I think he's going to be worth every dollar that, that he gets. If it's 40 million, it's 40 million. And I, I think he's worth it. It'll just be how long, um, you know, he can stay at that elite level. Sure. Yeah. I, I, I was worried about term all throughout the last off season because obviously, you know, as, as these front offices got smarter, as the data became more available, but look at East, the elite free agent contracts last year were 10 years plus. Mike Trout, 10 years plus. Machado, 10 years plus. You know, I mean, the opt-outs are in there. But at the end of the day, these guys, these guys wanted to go long. Teams, teams were happy to go long with these guys. And these guys wanted to sign long contracts, which surprised me because, you know, all the other sports are sort of evolving into this short, simple, control-based contract. Um, so that threw me off a little last year when all of those major free agents went big. Uh, I just expect Garrett Cole is going to do the same, right? I mean, why would he not? Based on what we saw last year, why would he not? Now, Patrick Corbin didn't go super big, right? He went six years. That was essentially the biggest pitcher contract last year. Um, I mean, are we talking six? Are we talking eight? It's tough to tell with Cole. Like, I I agree with you that it's totally up in the air with how long it can be. It's really, I think it's whatever he wants. And that's the point I'm trying to make here. If whatever he and his agents sit down and say has to happen, I think it's going to happen. There's going to be a bidding war for this guy, right? Absolutely. And I I think it's, a perfect storm of um, variables you don't hesitate with where, you know, I mean, this is a different scenario, but Pujols, when he came up for free agency, he was older. You felt like he was further along in his career, you know, closer to the end, if you will. Yeah. Cole felt like he could retire. Prime, 
Exactly. <laughs> you, you, you were totally paying for what he had done prior. Well, now with Garrett Cole, you are to some, some degree, but at the same time, he's still in his prime, relatively young. In terms of a 29-year-old starting pitcher, he kind of doesn't have that many miles on his arm. I, there were a couple seasons there in, in Pittsburgh where he was injured and, and, didn't, and didn't play a full year. So um, it's, it's not like he's coming in with six or, six or seven years of you know, 150, 200 innings on his arm. So, um, uh, yeah, I think it's a perfect storm in terms of numerous high, uh, if what, whatever you want to call it, large market teams with a lot of money to spend in theory um, who need starting pitching. So mm-hmm. um, I, I, I totally agree with you. He can almost write, you know, dictate the terms and, and the dollar. Yeah, blank reason. check, right? I, well, let's just yeah, get this exactly. out of the way. He went, to, he went to UCLA. He grew up in Southern California. He's, that's where he's from. That's where he goes in the offseason. Uh, the Los Angeles Angels just got Joe Madden. They just hired Joe Madden to be their, their, their manager. They just hired Mickey Calloway to be their pitching coach. It certainly sounds like they're all in, right? I mean, Mike Trout just got the essentially lifelong contract to stick around there. Um, and and who, who's going to gawk at this, right? I mean, we've all been begging for this team to get it right with Mike Trout you know, before this guy's ridiculous career ends. Um, if it means you've got to pay Garrett Cole and maybe two other guys as well to get this ship going... Uh, who you know outside of us being on the east coast and not being able to watch a lot of their games right who's really going to hem and haw at, at that at that scenario this is the time for the the angels to go all in uh, any uh, any issue with that no i i like it i think i think they're definitely the the front runner i i, I have no doubt the yankees will will make every <laughs> um every attempt to be aggressive and and almost give him that blank check if you will but yeah. um yeah it sounds like hometown kid has some interest in going back there um you know the, the i think the managerial hire is kind of sneaky underrated in terms of attracting a guy like that so um i i'd say they're definitely the front runners yeah no question i, I don't even want to talk about it anymore because i you're right there's going to all the big boys are going to come swinging but to me, this is one of those situations where the Angels are all in and they're not going to let this guy get away. So I'm just going to assume that's going to happen. Um, let's stay on the pitching market a little bit here. A player who's not currently available, but boy, I, again, talk about a perfect storm with Steven Strasburg, right? I, I, it is tough to imagine. And, and look, this guy's been injured. Uh, he is approaching that 30, 31-year-old you know, mark age-wise. So there is a little bit of red flag there. Um, he does have miles. He's been in this league a while now. He's got miles. And uh, I, I don't know. It doesn't feel, it just doesn't feel like as much of a slam dunk as Garrett Cole. Am I wrong in having that assumption? No, not at all. He, he he's, believe it or not, he's only cleared 200 innings twice in his career, which because of um, injuries, you know, at 31 <laughs> kind of, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So at, at 31 gives you some definite pause when, um, you know, you're talking about the money that could potentially be out there for him. Um, not to mention, you know, he, he right now, I believe what is the opt out for, for a hundred or something like that. So, I mean, 25 mil a year is still, is still a pretty good chunk of change for a pitcher mm-hmm. um, with, with some question marks, but as a whole, yeah, he's, if he opts out, um, I, I, there will obviously be interest just because of the landscape of the pitching market. But um, I, you know, I have, I, I have read a few things that, you know, some speculation that he could, he could just opt out simply 
to renegotiate with the Nationals, sort of like Kershaw did it. Yeah. Exactly, sort of like Kershaw did a few years ago. So, um, you know, it sounds like he's happy, they're happy, they might be willing to pay. Um, I guess I'm not positive of that, but um, it sounds like moving in the right direction. So um, I, I think that's definitely a po- possibility there. Uh, I, I, uh, I really do like that opportunity. I think that is what happens. I think, yeah, you're right. The, the $25 million a year that he's on for the remainder, of the, I mean, he's got a ton of deferred money, too. This guy's going to get paid till 2040 if he wants to, if he, if he stays on this contract. Um, but it does feel like he's maybe worth a tad more, right? And opting out would, would allow the, the Nationals to give him that slight raise, which certainly in the postseason he's earned, <laughs> you know? I mean, if the, ever, ever there's going to be a year where you want to up your value, this is it. Um I just here's my concern and and try to stay with me. It's the Garrett Cole thing all over again. Guys from guys from California went to San Diego State University. San Diego just paid. I, a, I was going to say that. Yeah. San Diego paid a ton of money for Machado last year. They've got a couple of other names on that roster. They looked halfway decent for a lot of a lot of 2019. Um, this seems like one of those guys you could drop with those kid pitchers, right? There's there's two or three kids on that on that rotation right now that might be a year or two away. And you put this guy, you know, as the ace on the top of that list, it makes a heck of a lot of sense. Is he willing to do that? Will Washington really let him get away? You know, how high does San Diego have to go to lure him away from Washington? All those are questions we can't answer. But I, I just want to make you guys aware that, you know, if the opt out happens and and it's with the the idea, the notion that Washington will renegotiate with him and give him a little bit of a pay raise. Look out for San Diego sweeping in and making a move. That's my only point here. Yeah, I think those are the two favorite. I, I would say he either resigns with the Nationals or he goes back to San Diego. It's it's no secret that they've been in the market for um, some sort of ace pitcher. You know, they were heavily involved in the Corey Kluber and uh, Trevor right. Bauer talks last year, and and um, it seems like they want that last piece and as they might see it the last piece to their re you know the finishing touches on their rebuild here I, I, before they really start to contend in the next couple of years yeah and i'll say this dan because i think you're dead on with the with the structure of what they're looking for i think this next name is maybe the more likely name that ends up in san diego just assuming that strasburg and the nationals figure something out Today's episode is brought to us by The Athletic. The Athletic is a subscription-based sports news site delivering in-depth sports coverage for real fans. Get detailed coverage of every trade, every free agent signing, and every storyline on your team, as well as expert analysis from national writers like Ken Rosenthal, Michael Lombardi, and Pierre Lebrun, plus deep insights from analytic gurus and former team executives like John Hollinger. Join today and get 40% off your yearly subscription by going to theathletic.com slash track 40 off I think Madison Bumgarner is a perfect name for San Diego right now. This is a guy shouldn't command top dollar anymore. I mean, it's just he's got he's got miles on, on miles here in terms of innings pitched and, and postseason runs. And, and, you know, he's been fantastic. But, you know, there's a lot of tread in those tires. And, you know, he's he's 30. He's only 30. <laughs> you know, he's going to be 31 next August. So he's actually in the same you know conversation as Strasburg. In, in terms of eligibility and service time and, and all of those factors, he's had a little more miles in the postseason. But it just feels like, you know, his price may be a little less. His game has dipped a little bit. He has had some injuries off the field and on the field. Um, just seems like he's not going to command, you know, maybe not even that $30 million mark that some of these top pitchers will be getting this offseason. I do, I do think that a, you, you slot him in that ace role in San Diego, and it makes a lot of sense for both sides.
Yeah, it's a great point. I, I really didn't consider him in San Diego as too much of an option, but it is a great point. He, um, I mean, he's definitely lost a ton of velocity, so he's, he's going to have to sort of transition into more of a finesse pitcher later in his career. Right. And, um, in the price, in the price, should in theory be lower, but I, I think he's an interesting name to um, you know talk about what the anal- how the analytics side of baseball will affect him getting a contract where um, you know maybe five years ago he would have gotten a ton of money just based on pedigree alone, similar to how Pujols did. But um, you know I, he he's probably somebody who will who will go a little bit cheaper than he should. Um, and San Diego's a great spot. I didn't really consider him going there, but uh, that that'd be a nice fit. Yeah, one more starting pitcher because uh, it's close to my heart. Let's let's hit on Zach Wheeler here, uh, who was out there out west, you know, in the Giants organization to start. Came east to the Mets when Carlos Beltran was traded, uh, which ended up being a nice move for everybody. Wheeler had a good run here. He had a, a slow start. He was banged up. He's he's in, I mean, talk about injuries. This guy's had, you know, shoulder issues, elbow issues, sort of the whole enchilada. But man, the past year and a half, two years, and I know you've been watching with me and you've, he's been a fantasy a target for you as well. Um, this guy's really gotten it together. He's kind of grown into his role, figured out who he is. I give, I give Mickey Calloway a lot of credit on this one, honestly, because I think really he, uh, he just sort of figured out how Zach Wheeler had to function, right? I mean, you know, the, he came up as one type type of pitcher and injuries just sort of derailed his ability to be productive in that role. And he had to really kind of switch his gears. And, and to some degree, Strasburg had the same path here. They're similar in that, um, you know, they're not just up there throwing flame anymore. There, there's a lot of movement in their pitching, uh, a lot of consistency now. And, and these guys can both go deep. So I, Zach Wheeler is going to be plan B, I think, for a lot of teams. And and it, and I, I would assume that he's going to stay in New York and, and probably not with the Mets. <laughs> are you, am, I, uh, am I off point on saying that the Yankees are probably going to be long for Zach Wheeler here? Um, no, I, I, I don't have too much to add there. I mean, there was a, it seemed like there was a ton of interest at the deadline, um, you know, with the Yankees and, and the Mets involved. Um, so I, I think that's a likely landing spot. Also, I, I mean, really, when you get down to to guys like Wheeler, it, it's really going to depend on where the guys in front of him go. Mm-hmm. If the Yankees miss out on on those, you know, Cole. Strasburg, Baumgartner, those type of guys, then yeah, they'll, they'll absolutely be in on Wheeler. Um, they might be in on him and not the other guys as well. So, um, but yeah, I like, I like the Yankees or the twins there. Ooh, sneaky, there, sneaky. Uh, there's actually a, a twins pitcher on this list and Jake Odorizzi who, uh, did they let him walk? Sneaky good year. I mean, if you weren't paying attention to the twins, there, there's a couple of guys on that roster that had phenomenal years, both position players and pitchers. Odorizzi to me has to stay on that team. I think they did a lot of things right. Um, and they need to be adding pieces, not letting pieces walk. I realized, you know, 30 years old, but to me, that's one that's got to stick. I, 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 I agree. I think the twins are adding one of these players, you know, and there's plenty of other pitchers available here on this list, but uh, that's a team to be sneaky to, you know, to get in late on one of these guys, I think, because they're con- clearly they're contenders. They were a couple of games away from, you know, being in the conversation with the Yankees this year anyway. So I twins Yankees battling for, you know, maybe a number one and a number two in the rotation this off season. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I think, I mean, we talked about Strasburg likely 
we both think he'll stay in Washington, but I think the Angels, Yankees, Dodgers will be will be battling over one of those top guys. I know there's financial ramifications with the Dodgers and yeah, and all that. The taxes, but, yeah. Um, I, I think those. Yeah, but I, I think those three teams will fight over the top guys, and then you know the Twins. I feel like are one of the top teams that's right there, pretty close to to, to taking that next step. Um, you know, beco- becoming a legit legit contender. Right. Um, but they need another pitcher, and if you can add, you know, one of the top three agents, I, I think. Uh, you know, I think that's something that they would they would be willing to do. So before we move over to the position guys here, real quick, I want to stick with this on pitching. Uh, cause you, you made me think of it with the Dodgers situation and their financial payroll. There is a team that we know is going to be stripping payroll this off season one way or another. And that's the Red Sox. They, they've essentially recreated the Moneyball movie, right? They brought in their next analytics guru from Tampa Bay. First of all, how did Tampa Bay let their guru go from Tampa Bay to Boston in division? I, I'll never understand that, but, um, they're essentially going to strip this thing down and, and, you know, try to be the Houston Astros from five years ago and, and see if they can get this thing, you know, to the finish line with a much cheaper payroll. So that, that means at least one player, probably two player players are off this roster. Right. And my guess is it's going to be at least one pitcher. Right. I'm, I, I mean, David Price at 32 million a year. That's crazy. Chris Sale, man. When they signed that contract extension, I think we all had a collective, what the heck just happened, right? I mean, the guy looked like he, he could barely pitch in the postseason. Uh, literally, he had dead arm, he had arm fatigue, he had a bad elbow, something. We really, really never found out. But he, he could barely throw the ball, and then a couple of months later, he had a gigantic contract extension. I mean, he sort of righted the ship this year to some degree. I, he was great for a, lot, for a big part of it. But he's not enough to get this thing to the finish line for Boston. And I know that clearly there's a, uh, there's a Mendetta a in there to get this thing right back to the World Series. Otherwise, you know, you're not firing GMs and, and presidents and all that like they did. So I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of put you on the spot here, but we've heard Mookie Betts on the trade block. Any of these pitchers on the trade block right now, is Nathan Evaldi even tradable? Is, you know, David Price on that contract even tradable right now? Well, first of all, (laughs) we've seen it a million times. Every time I say somebody's not tradable because of a contract, they get traded. Everybody's everybody's tradable So Yeah, yeah, so everyone's tradable. But, yeah, I I mean, it's kind of crazy to think about with the kind of young, talented players they have that they would want to tear this down. You know, the Benintendis that that Betts is involved in training trade talks is kind of is kind of mind-boggling but i see what they're trying to do and and where they want to go so um yeah i i I guess i can't off the offhand speak who would be available or for what but if they're if they're indeed going to do a full teardown then um i I, i'd be guessing they're they're willing to listen to anybody i mean david price has three years and 96 million dollars left they're paying half of that if they trade him right at least half at least. I mean, at least, David Price yeah, is only worth $20 million a year right now. That's just a fact. That's just production. That's what he's worth, and maybe even less in the postseason, right? So I, uh, to me, that's where you strip your payroll. You, you cut your losses. You pay half the deal to get it out of town, and you do that. Now, I, I do want to get this in on Mookie Betts. The projected arbitration price for Mookie Betts is t- almost $28 million this year. So, And it's the final year, obviously. He's going to be a free agent next year, not this year. Uh, so you can understand from a payroll standpoint them 
I mean, it's twofold. Number one, you want to get that number specifically off your payroll. And if you don't think you can get a long-term deal done with him, which would you know reduce that number this year, then trading him makes the most sense because, of course, you can replenish your, your prospect pool with a guy like Mookie Betts. So I understand it from that standpoint. Now, you know, hometown favorite, maybe a locker room favorite. There's a lot of pieces, intangibles-wise, that you may not want to mess with, but it sounds like they're going to... They're going to break a lot of things down, and it starts with Mookie Betts. So, but financially speaking, it does make a little bit of sense to move on from him right now. I mean, you're a prospect guy. We're talking quite a quite a return here, right? Maybe an epic oh, return. Definitely, yeah, epic. Have we? Well, I mean, have we seen. I can't even think of a name that would bring the kind of return that Mookie Betts can bring. Yeah, uh, it's sort of hard to quantify, especially considering if Lindor's on the block too, if you have essentially two generational players being traded in one off season and how many teams are going to even have the, um, the prospect capital to, to make that happen is, is sort of interesting. So, um, you know, maybe the Indians and not to, not to involve the Indians in this conversation unnecessarily, but the, the two of those teams might be battling each other to try and um, you know, get the biggest haul for their blue chip prospect, you know, before the other team does. But um, yeah, it, it's, it's just, it, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. For, from a financial perspective, it does make sense for them, but there just seems to be so many other young pieces there that, you know, it, it's, it'd be sort of a shame to me if they ripped that roster down just because they have a couple of uh, really bad contracts on the books. But yeah, I mean, I'd expect Jackie Bradley Jr. Mookie Betts, and one of David Price, Chris Sale to be gone. If, if they're really trying to tear this payroll down, then that's how you do it. And, and we haven't even gotten to, you know, uh, the situation that might happen with J.D. Martinez. I mean, we can get there now. Let's switch over to the, to the position players and free agency. J.D. Martinez has a player option similar to Steven Strasburg's. Um, he had another, you know, bang up year. <laughs> I mean, this is a guy that he had to wait till the middle of February to get a contract. He, we all knew he wanted to go to Boston. We all knew Boston wanted him. It's just... You know that the price had to come down. It's it's a fine price. It's not what we thought it was going to be. This guy was a thirty million per year player when he was signed his free agent contract. He's got three years and sixty two point five million remaining on the deal. So, look at if you want to talk about, you know, can can Boston afford that right now? I, they're going to have to if you if he wants to stay on that. I think he's crazy to keep it. Number one, based on what we talked about, if they really are breaking it down, this guy should get the heck out of town, right? This guy should want to be going elsewhere. Not to mention, you know, at $21 million a year for the next three years, I think he can get closer to 28, 29. I really do. I think this, this guy, if he opts sure. out, he becomes the second best free agent position player available. It's Anthony Rendon and it's J.D. Martinez. So it's a, to me, it's a great time for him to opt out. I realize that that's a ton of money, you know, to the common world t- to just throw away. But I, I do think there are more dollars waiting for him and maybe a better team situation if they're really going to do what we think they're going to do. Yeah, I, I think he's in a really tough. I, I'm a little bit more down in terms of his, um, you know, what what I think he would go for if he did opt out. Mostly because I, I don't think he play, he can really play the outfield on a full time basis sure. anymore. So you're you're sort of limiting yourself to well, unless the DH rule changes. Wow, this is going to spiral on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, you're sort of looking at a D, probably an AL team you know, that has that DH option there for him. So you might be eliminating a certain pool of teams right off the bat. Um, but I mean, the, the bat, the hit, the hitting tool is just insane that you would want any team would want him as 
batting in the middle of their of the the middle of their lineup there. So um, yeah, it's really interesting if he. If he does opt out, though, I, I wouldn't blame him because of the team context thing that you were uh, that you were talking about. So yeah, I, I, I can give you a team. By the way, we've already mentioned them. <laughs> I I, uh, I think the Angels are all in. I think they're all in. It, and I think not only are they going after Garrett Cole, I think they're going after one of the top three position players, Anthony Rendon. J.D. Martinez, is he, if he's available, and one to be determined, to be honest, because we, there's a lot of club options and, and players, player opt-outs that have to happen here. But the, to me, that's a perfect fit for, for that situation. I understand the Albert Pujols DH situation, but if you're going to lock... Look, Pujols has only got one year left, and you've got to be thinking about way more than one year if you're Los Angeles and you're signing guys like Garrett Cole. And, and to me, J.D. Martinez is the perfect replacement for Pujols slash, you know veteran to go with you know Mike Trout and a, a pool of young players you're going to have to go and get essentially to, to make this thing work I, I just think like I said I, this is the time for the Angels to, to make Mike Trout right and J, having J.D. Martinez in that lineup along with Justin Upton of course um, you know assuming they don't trade him they, to me it makes a ton of sense yeah I like uh is it I too like much? Again, I have I didn't really consider that. Um, I, I my favorite for him that I that I read a little bit about would probably be the White Sox, yeah. but um, I, I didn't really see him there at LA. But it, it makes perfect sense. It's it's a you know if they're going all in, they might as well go all in. But if you know, are they going to break off another couple? Hundred million in uh, contracts in this offseason. They're going to need really some. Sure well, they're going to need some serious Disney money because what I'm proposing is almost a billion dollars. Truly, I mean, if Garrett Cole is going to get 250 alone, maybe minimum 250. And look at we know the issues they've had with their pitching staffs. I mean, it has been an annual laugh fest. Truly, I mean, they'll bring in names, right. names, you know, you know, and we like a few of them and. You know, come fantasy time, we're sitting down doing our charting, and we, we look at the Angels, and we're like, oh, you know, this is the year for Garrett Richards. No, it's not. He's hurt in eight days, you know, and and that's just sort of been the way it's gone for you know half a decade here in in, in Los Angeles. And the, the way to not the way to, to stop that is to stop bandying it, right? And what I'm proposing is you instead of trying to you know plug and play, plug and play, or maybe bring some guys in who you've had in the system for a while and hope that this is their year it's time to stop that and play, play the Dodgers role and say, we're ready to win. We've got our Mike Trout. We've, you know, Upton's been decent, fine. We're going to bring in an Anthony Rendon to replace Zach Cozart at third base. You know, if that's the route they go, and then we're going to bring in two pitchers. It's not going to be one, Dan, it's going to be Garrett Cole and Zach Wheeler or Garrett Cole and, you know, Ryu, or, you know, you know it's going to be a number one and a number two, and then we'll fill in the blanks behind that. To me, that's the only way forward for the Angels in a division where, you know, not only can you get better, but if you take Garrett Cole off Houston, that, that makes Houston worse in your division. So I, there's a lot of reasons to do what I'm saying. You know, the biggest reason not to is I'm literally writing them a $1 billion check right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's the, that's the elephant in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's not my money, so it's, you know, pretty easy to say out yeah. loud. So. <laughs> Um, yeah, sign that check. Let's get to Rendon. We've talked about Rendon offline here a little bit. Um, boy, did he uh, did he stamp his ticket to the hundred million dollar club, right? I mean, my goodness, that is he's been good for a long time. I know he's been one of your fantasy darlings for a long time, and you and I have battled in drafts to try to you know figure out who's getting him. 
generally it's been you. That's why you're, you know, addicted and I'm not, but <laughs> the, uh, I, I I don't know. We've had the discussion with Strasburg, right? We've, we both sort of agree that the, the easiest move for him is to opt out and then re-sign at a better deal with Washington. We just saw Bryce Harper, you know, turn down $300 million from Washington to go elsewhere for about $30 million more. That's really what it was, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I have to imagine that that $300 million contract is going to be offered to Anthony Rendon. Am I, am I incorrect in saying that? I mean... Anthony, I think he'll get, yeah, for sure. But don't you think Washington's just going to say, here's what we offered Harper, Harper, you know, it's yours if you want it. I, how can you, to me, look at number for numbers, Anthony Rendon is as, as, as a good a batter as Bryce Harper, and he's more important defensively. I, I understand Harper has his throws and he has his moments and he, you know, he, he'll give max effort out there, but Anthony Rendon is a flawless third baseman. To me, that is as good as gold in this league. And that's not going away. You know what I mean? There's no analytics or, you know, shifts or, you know, blah, blah, blah. That's going to change how important a third baseman is defensively. Uh, I mean, and, and we saw it all postseason here, how, how clean and crisp he is at third base. I, I just think he's the full package right now and he needs, he needs to be paid. So if $300 million is the number, you know, if it's 10 for 300 million or eight for 310, whatever it's going to be, you know, I, like I said, I don't think the annual average really matters. It's, to me, it's whatever they offered Harper, it's t- Anthony Rendon, take it or leave it. The question to you, Dan, is does he take it? Is he banking on this team going forward? Does he think this was a one-year wonder and they're going to revert back to you know standard practice in Washington? Is, does he want to go home? We've talked about this. He is a Texas guy. I'm pretty sure the Houston Astros don't need a third baseman, right? I mean, they've got their own version of Rendon and, and Alex Bregman right now. But I think the Texas Rangers would sure love to have Anthony Rendon on their team going forward. Yeah, um, it's a it's a great question. Take it or leave it. I so, again, this one feels like not not to have uh, the Nationals be the bridesmaid again. But um, <laughs> it's okay. I'm a Mets fan here. I can handle of, it. <laughs> <laughs> this one sort of. This one sort of feels like, um, you know, Nationals or the Rangers at this point, right? Almost like last year felt like it was Har- Harper to the Phillies or the Nationals where, um, you know, they like the situation in Washington. They they could see themselves staying there. But if there's a, if their favorite option comes available, then they, then they go there. You know, it sounds like um, there is some mutual interest there in Texas and um, for all the, uh, you know, the, the narratives that you've already pointed out. So um, it, that one feels to me like Texas makes him their, um, their big piece going forward. And if not, he, uh, he stays back with the nationals because I'm, I'm sure the nationals are going to give him, uh, you know, if not the deal that Harper had on the table last year, something similar. I mean, there's really very few differences other than the age. Agreed. Um, and, and, and on the other side, you know, some of the hitting numbers are probably better in Rendon's favor than more efficient. No question. Yeah. So, yeah. Way more yeah, efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me play devil's advocate with this because we've mentioned it a few times and it's worth saying, I'm going to guess the Minnesota twins want to upgrade from Miguel Sano. Right. Um, and if that's the only option they have at third base, um, look out, right? I mean, if that's the check they want to pay this year, this offseason, you know, we, we, we both think they're going after one pitcher, which makes a heck of a lot of sense because, you know, the, the Kyle Gibson, Jose Barrios, maybe Jake Odorizzi come back in the fold is 
that's probably not enough to get you, you know, through the postseason as we yeah. saw this year. Yeah, they need they need to add there for sure. They need a starting pitcher, but Nelson Cruz is on an expiring. He'll be he'll be back as a DH. Um, you know, Marwin Gonzalez did had a head kind of a down year. He was banged up, and then he really didn't. He wasn't much of a factor. I guess he could be the third baseman if you, if you had to revert to that. But boy, you dump Anthony Rendon in this lineup with these kids who all can hit. Max Kepler, Eddie Rosario, I mean, C.J. Cron, yeah, they can all hit, flat-out hit. If you put a player like that who's as consistent and stable as Anthony Rendon, defensively and offensively, I think, and I know you're an Indians fan, so you're probably dying over there that I'm saying this out loud, but I, uh, I, I think it's a really strong fit for Minnesota and Texas, but look out for the Twins on this, too. No chance. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, um, I, I think they, um, they'll look to add, I'm not sure that's the way they'll want to do it, but, um, yeah, too big of a swing, too big of a swing. Um, I, I just think their, their, their strength right now is definitely the offense and they definitely need to add to the starting rotation and the bullpen. I think they would just be better served, um, you know, focusing, spending on a big contract there. But if they were to point money in his direction, uh, you know, I, him and Cole, I feel like are the two can't miss free agents where typically sure. we're sitting there looking at the top of the list and all the guys, you know, were pointing to multiple flaws within both of them uh, or it, within all of them. But both those guys, you know, I, I really can't point to anything that, you know, is, is negative. Maybe when, you know, Rendon's had a little bit of in, injury kind of fluky injury stuff that's went on, but yeah. um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not even gonna, gonna spend any more time on that. No, I, he's done enough yeah. to overcome all of those obstacles. I mean, he's, he's the guy, he's the guy. I mean, even if JD Martinez opts out, I still think Rendon is the, is the player is the position player to, to get. Um, I think Martinez is close though. I, I understand that his numbers have dipped a little bit and, uh, you know, he's older, but I, I do think he's a five to a player that is just, uh, you know, he's going to make somebody a lot better, especially if we're talking about contenders. Um, any, any kind of sleepers out there? I don't want to go too far down this list. Obviously what we're going to be back and forth, you know, you know, all winter long talking on the show and, and on spotrick.com as well. But anyone out there that's sort of low hanging fruit that maybe, you know, isn't being talked about a ton right now that, you know, may not make a ton of money, but is going to make somebody immediately better. One of my favorites is uh, Nick Castellano. Oh, I, I love it. I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see where he ends up. Um, it, pretty much strictly a corner outfielder or yeah. a DH at this and point. And the advanced but, analytics um, hate I, him, right? I mean, he's not a big, a big nerd guy, right? Well, it's mostly like his his um, batted ball numbers are right. incredible. They typically they're typically way better than the numbers he puts up. So you know, he'll hit 280, and it's you know the advanced stats say he should have hit significantly higher. Part of that was probably you know the ballpark being in Detroit, a bad team, all of those factors. But um, I'm really you, you saw him go to the Cubs, and Cubs, you know yeah. he ended up leading the league in doubles by the end of it. So the dude can definitely hit. So I, I'm really curious to see where um, where he goes, and I don't think he's going to get a ton of um, you know a, a, a ton of you know media attention, if you will. But mm-hmm. um, he is definitely an impact player that that could go to a team and um, be a little bit under the radar. So yeah. It's probably got to be American League, right? I mean, he is dreadful in the outfield. Am I wrong in saying that? Oh yeah, the the fielding stuff. I mean, he can play in the outfield if you need him. It's to a him. liability, yeah, though. The numbers. 
Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. so he's so, he's long. He's he's not long for a DH, right? <laughs> right, exactly. I guess my point is, if you need to stick him there for forty games, you know, just like you do with JD Martinez, if sure. he needs to play there a little bit, um, you know, that flexibility is nice. Whereas, um, you know, another DH that is not, you know, Nelson Cruz is very rarely playing the outfield, right? Sure. Okay, I, I'll tell you what. I'll put him right with Yasiel Puig this offseason. I think they're very similar players. Um, Puig's obviously got a, a, you know, a lot more defense to him, so maybe Puig ends up with a little bit more of a paycheck. Puig's also got a lot of red flags that come with him, right? A lot of baggage. Um, I, I just think that, that similar players and how they approach the ball, the plate, um, I'm, I guess their advanced numbers are similar, even though you know, uh, Puig, Puig probably had more production last year alone just because he uh, wasn't playing on the Detroit Tigers for half the year. So. I uh, I like those as one-two punches, maybe under the radar guys. I, I'm sure Puig will be signed. You th- who gets signed first out of those two, Dan? Is, is Puig's name Dine? Is he sort of a lost art? Um, it's a great question. I don't know how to answer that, but I definitely think his... Um, well, I, I guess the way to say it is for years and years, we... we perceived this untapped potential that right. we were we were just waiting to to come out and now we're to a point where we think we've seen what he is sort of thing you know like he, he shows these flashes and he will always show flashes but he'll never put that flash into um you know 162 games straight so um i, I think that's sort of where we're at where you know five you know a couple of years ago he was a big a big time up and coming prospect but um, now I, I think it's sort of died down a little bit. So I think, I think you know, you're going to see Marcelo Zuna, who's probably going to opt out of St. Louis. I think he'll be the hottest corner outfield type name on the market. Yeah. And then beyond that, it'll be, you know, between Castellanos and Puig. Who signs first? If I had to take a guess, I would just say Castellanos based on, you know, the, his end of last year ca- caught a lot of attention and, and Puig sort of tailed off there at the end. But um, yeah, not, not too much to add there. So nice. Yeah. One, one last name for you while we're talking about guys who, uh, might not be able to help out much. What do the Yankees do with Giancarlo Stanton? Oof. I, I mean that it's um, at some point in this winter, that's, it's going to dominate the media. It's going to dominate the headlines, right? Because yeah. you can't trust him. You got to pay. I mean, I realize Miami's paying a big chunk of this. He's got an opt out available in, coming up here. There's no way he does it, right? I mean, it's just it's just bad business if he opts out, even though he, he can't do a darn thing. Um, I don't. Is he tradable? I mean, you to me, he's just a liability of a roster spot right now for the Yankees, right? I mean, they they just flat out don't need him. It was it was a bad move from the get go, in my opinion, right? Brutal, yeah. Um, I mean, for all for all the beatings that the Miami Marlins get for the players that they let a, get away. And granted, they let, they, they deserve it. They deserve Ozuna. anything they get, but <laughs> exactly. I mean, all of them, Yelich, yeah. all of them, but the Stanton thing was incredible that they got rid of that contract. Um, you know, especially being a small market team, them being able to get rid of that contract was, was, pretty impressive. And, you know, going back to our joke earlier about, um, you know, every contract is tradable. I was sort of thinking of this one off the top of my head when, uh, when I said that. So um, in terms of it being tradable again, I, I, I would just 
based on track record, I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, it is. But what that deal will look like, I have no idea or what even team would want who to be involved him? in that. So yeah, who wants, right. I, so I, at, at this stage is, is their best plan to move forward with him and hope that he puts together another massive year that, you know, intrigues the team enough that they come calling and can work something out. You know, the Yan- inevitably the Yankees will probably have to hang on to some of that money, you know, Oh yeah. Instead quite of spending it all. Quite a bit. So, and, and in fact, Dan, I'll, I'll say this, um, they're probably going to have to include him in, in, in a, in a Robinson Cano type deal. Like we had last year with the Mets, right? it's, you know, you can have, you know, Clint Frazier and maybe our, one of our better pitching prospects, but you got to take this Giancarlo Stanton contract off our hands too. But to me, that's the only way he goes is if you're giving up major pieces um, to a team that needs those pieces and throw in Stanton along with it. I, I mean, we didn't think Robinson Cano was tradable, you know, and he shouldn't right. have been as a Mets fan, but uh, you know, that's how those things sort of get done right now. It's we'll pay some of it, you know, you're paying the rest of it and you can have these guys to go with it. But I, to, that's the only way it happens. I think it has to happen. When they extended Aaron Hicks contract this this uh, summer, to me, that was the the writing on the wall that they were happy with. Who, look, at, they're going to lose Brett Gardner in left field. So there's going to be a spot, but they do have Clint Frazier. They do have these other small pieces that they like. They, I mean, there's players that can play all over the field on that roster right now. Um, they just flat out don't need you know, a guy who's a liability defensively and, you know, he just has bad hands. He's got bad hands right now. He can't stay healthy. Uh, I I don't know what to say about it. I've, you know, I, I think he's a great, he's great for baseball. He was a great ambassador for the game. You know, just one of those players you love to watch, sort of must-see TV, but he's going to get moved, in my opinion, this offseason, and it's going to be an ugly trade. It's going to be players the Yankees want to keep but can't keep but have to move to, just to get him off the payroll. So, Keep an eye on that one. That one's going to make some headlines, I think, in the middle of winter here. Interesting. Yeah. I um, I mean, I guess if, if enough money on that deal is held back by the Yankees, you know, it, it at a certain point it becomes appetizing, you know, appealing for a, a team that would never have dreamed of having him out. You know what I mean? A, a smaller type team, maybe a Royal, you know, the Royal. Sure. Or I, I don't know. I'm just picking somebody random off the top of my head. But um, you know, if if that if he's not making 30 million a year, and all of a sudden he's actually you you're only paying him five million a year, then at a certain point, I think it becomes worth it for certain teams. But um, yeah, it, you're you're probably right. It's going to be an ugly deal to get him uh, get him out of there. So yeah, yeah, we'll see. That's one to keep an eye on for sure. Because the Yankees, they did a lot of things right in this rebuild, right? They, you know, they didn't make any any careless really signings. Um, couple of the trades were questionable. I think the Paxton trade was, you know, good, not great. And obviously the Stanton trade was a miss, but they've been through this with, with Jacoby Ellsbury. I mean, they've already had a guy on the roster for five years that didn't do a darn thing for them. And they paid him a ton. I mean, obviously they had insurance to cover a lot of it, but from a tax payroll standpoint, they had $21 million a year tied into Jacoby Ellsbury. So they don't want to do this with Stanton. They, that's just not how you can't be successful. If you've got that kind of dead weight on your, on your payroll, um, so I just expect that they're going to have to smarten up and, and get something done. So look for, you know, Yankees do have a decent farm right now. I mean, you're the prospect. I assume there's there's more than a couple of names that teams will be asking for, correct? Plenty, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah they're loaded. Uh, they're they're what, 
they're one of the main teams that you look at with uh, with a guy like Betts or not to say that they the Red Sox would ever deal Betts to the Yankees, but um, <laughs> you know when these when these Uber type prospects come available, the Yankees are definitely one of the top names on the list, just solely because of you know what they have uh, in terms of capital, so prospect capital. All right, Dan, this was great. I uh, appreciate your time. We went a little longer than I think we we wanted to, but that's generally what happens when we talk baseball because we're baseball guys. So there's and there's honestly a lot to talk about this year. It's just one of those off seasons that I think is going to carry the day. There's going to be a lot of big money. Um, I do think there will be trades. Look at that's one of the things when you've got players that teams want. <laughs> generally, they have to make moves to be able to afford those players. Not everybody just wants to dump three hundred million dollars into Garrett Cole. So. You know, if if you know, for instance, the Dodgers want to tear a couple of pieces down to be able to get a guy like Cole in there, uh, that's very interesting stuff. I, I expect there to be a good amount of offseason trades this winter. Um, you know, and, and the winter meetings should really have a ton of hot stove discussions coming out of it. So, a lot of money. I think a lot of trades, good size names, and like I said, it's driven by the pitchers, which. When the pitchers are the, are, are, are the top of the free agent table, it means money's coming. I mean, you, you, you saw what happened when it was a, a batters-only free agent market the last couple of years. It just – teams are smarter than that. They know that they can't just pop, plop a third baseman on their team at, at a high price and win a World Series. That's just not how the game works. It'll get you to July, right? But you've got to have a, a starting rotation and a heck of a closer to go with it and uh, – Teams that don't just fade at the end. That's just the way we are. And I'm talking about you, New York Mets. Dan, thanks. This was great. We'll be back with another episode next week. 